0: Welcome everyone to Straight Talk. I am one of your hosts uh, along with Dennis Golfin of uh, Straight Talk and we have a panel today. Uh, At least we have some of our panel here today. All of our women are on time. I don't know where the men are but uh, they're here today and uh, they're the brains of the bunch so we're glad they're here at this time with us. But uh, our show is called Straight Talk and I guess uh, what I want to share about that at the outset is that you know the bible talks about you know we we got to make straight paths for our feet and that follows our mouth and uh, we want to walk in the counsel of god and we don't want to we don't want a twisted walk we don't want a crippled walk we want to we don't want a broken walk we want to walk as jesus walked in this life and we want to talk as jesus talked in this life and that's the idea from the gospel of straight talk and today we got a political election coming to assume, and uh, we're going to uh, uh, tackle the issue of Christian nationalism today with our panel. Lois and Elaine are with us as well. They're both professors. And, and uh, so Dennis, did you want to say hello before we actually uh, address this subject?
1: Uh, thank you, Van. I want to welcome all of our viewers today and our Facebook viewers specifically, and even those on YouTube. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel which I'll put in our our session there. And we also have a podcast on Anchor we've called Talk Straight. And these um, talks are put on every week so that we're getting a much larger audience on our podcast. So I'm glad to talk about the issue I already posted that we're gonna talk about Christian nationalism. So our viewers are excited and waiting for the discussion for the day, Van.
0: All right, so we have uh Lois and Elaine with us and uh I'm going to I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna preach today but I got I got a lot to say but I want to hear from our women of God as well as everyone else so why don't we open up the discussion uh so either one can respond to this thought of how do you view and understand and see it's relevant in America today uh this theme of Christian
2: Nationalism. Elaine, do you want to start? Go ahead. Well, I think before we talk about Christian nationalism, we have to understand nationalism. And I am absolutely no expert in either of those topics, but just in, in my uh, basic understanding of this, I think having the nationalism perspective is is important. Um, and 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 to also differentiate nationalism from patriotism. I mean, we've, we've all grown up feeling patriotic at times, you know, 4th of July parade and, you know, saying the Pledge of Allegiance in school and being proud of our country. And, you know, I mean, Elaine, you're, you're a, a chaplain's wife, you know, we're proud of our military. We're thankful for their sacrifice. We're thankful for our country and the freedoms that we have. And so I think, I think we have to differentiate between some of the some of the kinds of things that are coming out now and happening now, and uh, sort of a a basic um, patriotism and appreciation for our country. I think nationalism um, goes a step further in the sense of elevating the the value, the inherent value of one nation over another. You know, we're we're Americans, mm. so we're better than the French, or we're Americans, so we're. I mean, you know, you're going to have some of that in a soccer game, right? You know, but uh, I think some of that robs us of this the appreciation for uh, we're all made in God's image, and this is God's world, and and we're in this together, and we have global concerns, and um, nationalism can be very dangerous, as as World War One showed, and um, mm. and I think the blending of nationalism and the word Christian is also very problematic for a number of reasons, but I'm gonna leave it there and see what you guys think.
0: All right, well, thank you for that insight there. And uh, let's move on to see what our professor Elaine has to say today.
3: Oh, there's so much to say, uh, so much <laughs> to say about this. Um, I agree um, hundred with, uh, percent with Dr. Lois and I um, I have a little bit different perspective because my husband is active duty. um, And so nationalism, which is more than patriotism, uh, can actually be part of the fabric of our everyday life. And so this isn't to me, just something that is way out there. This is something that is very much uh, a part of my life. And so one of the things that concerns me um, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, as a person, as an active duty spouse is where does my ultimate loyalty lie? Um, does it lie in Jesus Christ? Does it lie in the military? Does it lie in the government? Where does it lie? And then how do I live that out in my everyday life? How does that come out in what I say and the things that I do? And so I think, um, for me, one of the biggest issues of nationalism is that it can take the place of Jesus Christ. Um, And in some ways, it looks like and it sounds like sometimes we may place political leaders um, or governmental leaders or church leaders or, you know, just fill in, fill in the blank with someone who is other than Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we essentially put ourselves in the position of God or try to anyway. And that is one of the most dangerous places to be in because there is no humility in that there is no, um, no uh, really honoring of God in that, because we're trying to put something or someone else in the place Mm.
0: of God. Well, I I believe both of you have brought uh, some clarity to the issue already. And uh, I'm going to jump in with both feet because I agree with both of you so far. I I totally agree with you that there's a difference between uh, nationalism and patriotism. And I I as well have been brought up, even though I'm an African-American in the United States and I've grown up with a love-hate relationship, uh, not that I hate America, but I hate what America did to us as a people and yet i love the place where i live at the same time having traveled the world i love the world uh, the uh, the america as well. but i think the other thing that concerns me about christian nationalism is that we we see a merger um around a false assumption in America that we're, we are a Christian nation. That's, that's the narrative, that's the rhetoric that is put out in that not only are we a Christian nation, but I see it attached to being Republican at the same time. And therefore in the cultural conflict in America right now, we see the Republicans against the Democrat and the Democrats are demonized because some of their, uh, pla- some of their platform is contrary to the gospel. But I I look at the Republican, I see part of their platform is contrary to the gospel as well. So uh, we gotta go at it both ways. And I think that for me, the bottom line is uh, that I am committed first and foremost of all to the kingdom of God, that Jesus is my savior. He has an agenda on planet Earth. His agenda is to reconcile America and every other nation on Earth unto himself. And we are, we are the mago de. We're imagers of God. So we are ambassadors first. I'm not primarily an ambassador, ambassador of the United States. I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of God and as a result of being his ambassador, and my allegiance is first and foremost of all to him. And therefore, be you Republican or Democrat, if you say something contrary to God's kingdom, I'm going to call you out. (laughs) That's all there is to it. And no matter how that is, whether that's politically correct or not, it does not matter. It's what is acceptable in the sight of almighty God. And I think that that's where our primary allegiance has to be. And one other little point I'll make before I let this rotate. I used to teach at a Christian school, and uh, it bothered me every day because I would look out of my window of my classroom and I would see in the first thing in the morning, they would hoist up the American flag. And uh, then all everybody, it was a Christian school. So then we'd say they say the Pledge of Allegiance, et cetera. And then, uh, but I, I said to them one day, they, were, they said, Dr. Gaten, what, what what is wrong? I says, I just don't like what's happening here. And they said, what is it? I says, well, the American flag is above the Christian flag. And, and I think that's wrong. I think that's idolatry. When you exalt everything anything above God's kingdom, the mindset has to be God's kingdom first and America flag second, because kingdoms in this earth will come and go, but God's kingdom lasts forever. That's what he established. That's where our first commitment is. And so there is where we have to draw a line of saying, I'm not trusting in any form of government or politics to rescue me, to deliver for me in the sense that God has promised certain things and established certain things and committed to that. So I'll stop right there because I've got a few other things I wanted to convey as well. But I see that uh, Sterling Lands has joined us too. But Dennis, you have anything you want to say at this point?
1: Uh, Yes, man. I wanted to just uh, add along to the conversation that we're talking about about nationalism uh, in reference to uh, Christian nationalism. And um, I I published on the um, page there an article by Jack Jenkins from August the 2nd of 2019 of Christian nationalism, which uh, refers to a whole different mindset than just being nationalist. But Christian nationalism is really a movement that seeks to merge Christian and American identities distorting between the Christian faith and uh, America's constitutional democracy. Um, this is not only, this is almost a worldwide movement, this uh, Christian nationalism. I'll go back in, um, in church history to the time of Charlemagne when he first took over the, uh, the Roman empire and became what was called the Holy Roman Emperor. And he's, he sought to nationalize the empire into some f- sort of Christian values. He put up what was called an 82 article of Christian beliefs. And that went all the way through in the Middle Ages, this whole idea of Christendom that became a part of the Middle East tradition, middle, I'm sorry, Middle Age tradition. And then as doing that, uh, we see now a whole emphasis where we tried to make uh, the religious body and the national body one. And so that has been distorted and claimed in many different areas throughout church history. In our country itself, I think Christian nationalism today has been part of what we call the white nationalist movement. So we can look at it from various viewpoints in terms of restoring America to what became in this country in the 1920s, -hmm. fundamentalism. So I just wanted to throw those points out as we went. Um, Sterling, you want to add into our
4: conversation now? Um, well, thank you so much and good morning to everyone. Um, I think it is a mistake to suppose that God is only or even chiefly concerned with religion. I think God is concerned with the, with the wholeness of our lives. And as a result, I believe that um, when you read what John Adams said um, early on in the front end of this country, he said that... Um, Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. The Constitutional Convention ultimately did not produce a document that could could really govern people who don't govern themselves. So as true as that is, there's a sense in which it misses the point. It invites the question, what form of government uh, would be adequate for that kind, the, the kind of people who don't uh, govern themselves, or should we just write them off? And I think that when we look at the politics of today, uh, every, each, each major party tries its best to demonize the other party which is a distraction from the reality that all of them are dealing with only a perspective that satisfies the secular appetite. So uh, I, I wrestled with this myself on, on occasion, and then I realized that, you know, God God controls the heart of the king uh, as he does the, the flow of a stream. So wrestling with it is one thing, but letting it it where you, I think is another. So I, I, I'm just rambling, but those are some thoughts that cross my mind.
0: Okay. And how about you Lois, Doc, well, do you want to jump back in here?
2: Yeah, I'm just thinking that, you know, something I heard recently in, in a sermon um, is that, you know, uh, our founding fathers were Christians and they established America as a Christian nation um and and this message connected that that uh point with the the phrase law and order so in other words the uh uh you know not seeing the law as a a living thing that continues to change as we grow and develop as a country um so i think to equate um you know the founding, of course, I have problems with the founding fathers. I mean, so many of them held slaves and other, lots of other things. But uh, to just say, you know, to sort of have this romanticized view of the past, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of that romanticized view of the past taking place in this Christian nation and Christian nationalism ideal. Um, Even looking back to the 50s, or even with the phrase, make America great again, you you know, we all have to ask, when was it great for Black people? Hello. Uh When you know, tell me about when it was great for women. You know, even more than, you know, a yes. few years ago. So um, <clears throat> this romanticized view comes from this idea. Okay, you know, our nation was founded by, you know, Christian people, and we need to somehow get back to that. Well, the laws that were in <laughs> force at that time, you know. If, if we just kept the law as an ongoing non-changing thing, uh, you know, Elaine and I, uh, all of us would not be voting, you know, of course we've all voted already, but we wouldn't be voting, uh, you know, there would be slavery in existence, there would be all kinds of things, but our, our country has grown and developed and we continue to actually move away from some of those things that were in existence at the beginning, so I think there's a real problem in Christian nationalism with it, it, you know drawing this this line of connection from our founding fathers to some idyllic 1950s "Leave It to Beaver" kind of family to uh, <laughs> everybody needs to you know obey the law. Well, yes, we need to obey the law, but if the law is unjust and it needs to be challenged,
0: yes, yes. Well, I think Lois, you make a good point talking about the the uh, the the narrative that this country began by by thinking that you know all of the Europeans came in over here to establish a Christian nation, uh, founding fathers, etc. And when when it was really colonialism uh, and manifest destiny philosophy uh, under the guise of Christian, I think uh, uh, Sterling, you'd admit in the nation of Ghana in Africa. You can go to the slave castles and you can see all the layers of where they housed the Africans until the ships came for them. But right on the top of the prison for the slaves is a chapel where they prayed, the, the 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 colonialists prayed to God and asked for guidance and blessing. And it was their ordained purpose in God that they rule over all other people on planet Earth. So I think it is a misconception number 1 to say that America was founded as a Christian nation. I think that's that's an error. That's a misconception. I believe that there are Christians in America and because you know Massachusetts was like the only first colony that the puritans came over so what about all the other people that showed up on the plan, on in this country? And so to say there's a The false assumption is that America was founded as a Christian nation. Well, first of all, it wasn't founded. People lived here. The Native American Indians lived here. My brother Sterling lives in Texas, uh, Austin, Texas, but it was once owned by the Mexicans, (laughs) not America. In 1845, they took over. So my goodness, we've been lying to ourselves as a nation. And then now, and I'll stop when I say this now we've, we've painted this scenario in politics that the republicans or conservatives say listen we've got to elect uh people that believe uh in in the platform of republicanism or the progressives are going to ch- destroy this godly nation we can't let that happen so they're using that argument when it's not even true in the beginning when has america ever been godly that's my point when ask the native american indians Ask the African Americans, when has America been a godly nation? Yet there have been godly people within the nation of America. So I'll stop there and let Elaine jump in if she wants to.
3: Sure. Yeah. So one of the things that um, I've noticed really ever since I was a child and growing up, um, and you all have noticed this too, is that um, nationalism, Christian nationalism, tends to run on just a couple, sometimes even one. major issue or perceived major issue and if one does not agree with that particular stance then number one you can't be a Christian number two you must really dislike or borderline and um, hate America and on and on and on and on from there um, mm-hmm. and it the question that I have is what would it look like if each of us defined what we think Christianity is and what it entails And what it means and then use that to take a look at our stances on different issues rather than trying to equate the two together because there are people who don't love jesus who have incredibly moral values and moral standards and if they happen to agree on a particular topic or a particular issue well, if they don't love Jesus, if they're not following Jesus, then they're not Christians, but they're being equated to being Christians, and they're being told, oh, you agree with us, so you're a Christian. What if they don't want to be a Christian? What if they don't want to be part of that particular, uh, this particular um community and and we have just done such an incredible disservice to Jesus to our country to ourselves to all different kinds of people because we haven't, we haven't focused on Jesus and who Jesus is, how he lived, how he interacted with people. And I think if we just did that, if we defined and understood our Christianity in light of who Jesus is, mm-hmm. um, Christian nationalism would not be near as much of an issue um, mm-hmm. as, as what it is. And one other thing I'll say, and then I'll stop, is that um, in the church, we, ha- we tend to have a celebrity Type syndrome, where whoever is in charge, because they are the person of God, whether that's man or a woman, they are the person of God, they hear from God, they speak for God, therefore what they say is what God would say. And I think we have to step away from that um, a lot and really test what we're hearing and what we're seeing and and who we're interacting with, with what we find in the character of Christ um, in scripture.
0: All right. Well, Sterling, I know you want to jump back in there and say something, brother, from uh, Texas.
4: Actually, I don't.
0: No, okay. All right.
4: Because uh, she did she did such an excellent job yes, she of, did. of laying this thing out. You know, um, uh, but since I'm here, let me just say this. Um, I believe that when we talk about Jesus as it relates to our, our commitment to uh, him, uh, I believe that we're talking about Jesus with the one that has the American passport. And if he doesn't have an American passport or, or is not American citizen, then he's not uh, the Jesus that that uh, many uphold, particularly as you get into the political season. So I'm convinced that um, until we're able to shake off this, um, this demonic obsession with America being quote the Christian nation, therefore the only ones that are right about any and everything. Uh, really, uh, we're going to constantly be into the conversation about: Is it okay to kill babies before they're born? Is it okay for for uh, people of the same gender to to uh, cohabit or or marry? Is it okay to to um, do you uh, you? Any of the, 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 May, uh, the Margaret Sanger um, um, modalities and concepts. I, I think we're going to continue with that because the Jesus we are we're dealing with is, uh, is busy with capitalism. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, that's why I like what, what I just heard. I, I believe that we got to get back to, to defining who the real Jesus is biblically. And yeah, then yeah. Our, our focus must be to pursue godliness at the expense of everything else.
0: Yes. And what you is know, the true gospel?
4: You
2: know, uh, Van, you said, you know, when was America a Christian nation? You know, some people might say, well, it was when there was prayer in the schools or it was before uh, abortion was legalized. Or, you know, people tend to, you know, look at certain things and, uh, you know, uh, we were more Christian before, <clears throat> you know, this, you know, ruling about gay marriage, etc. So and, and and looking at certain things and saying, oh, it was better before then. And again, when you deal with uh, issues like uh, slavery and injustice and inequities, and you know, there was that was back there. So, you know, uh, what Elaine has said about the whole the thread that needs to run through our lives in whatever country we're living in is what does it mean to be a Christ follower? And what I've noticed is that so much of the the concern behind all of these, uh, this this sort of war, uh, we, you know, we find ourselves in is fear, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, fear by Christians,
1: <laughs> you know, Good
2: point. fear about, uh, you know, well, fear of change. Nobody likes change. I mean, you know, you've read, you know, seen the book, you know, Who Moved My Cheese or something like that. You know, none of us like change, but but a sort of a cultural, uh, you know. G- environmental kind of change, you know, has made for fear uh, about, you know, wait, wait, you know, things aren't the way they were, you know, and the fear is with, you know, I think with the white Christians who, you know, feel like their, their power or position is being challenged and, and uh, changed, but our basis for engaging with our society should not be fear-based, It should be love-based, you know, there is no, uh, you know, love casts out fear, scripture says. And, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just one other point I wanted to make was, you know, uh, being a a scholar of Jewish Christian history, it was never really very good for Jewish people when, um, you know, the nations they were in were Christian. (laughs) You know, Christian, uh, you know, uh, Christian uh, government, uh, was was often very harsh on on Jewish people, from expulsions to uh, rulings, uh, and so on, and 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 pogroms and deaths and you know uh, all kinds of injustices. Instead mm. instead of being a love based uh, governing, uh, you know, caring for people, um, helping people to thrive together and flourish together. Uh, you know if if we're what if we're operating on fear, what kind of a relationship is that Imagine if that was the basis of your marriage you know <laughs> uh, I'm gonna make lunch for you because I'm afraid if I don't you'll hit me you know or something I mean yeah. what kind of what kind of uh, arrangement is that?
4: well sometimes yeah. uh, sometimes in, in our marriage uh, that, that is the basis I'm just afraid of her <laughs> <I'm just laughs> I knew he was of her.
0: I knew he was going there. Uh, Ugh, I knew he was going there.
2: We'll pray for you, sir.
0: Please, sir. <laughs> to carry himself.
2: <laughs> That's the part of the street talk, but now we're really getting to straight talk. <laughs>
0: now we're getting to it. Yeah. Uh, yes. Any well, other
2: confessions?
0: <laughs> Dennis, do you want to jump in there? I got, or are you ready or?
1: Yeah, sure. sure. i was just listening to what was going on. What everybody was saying, I agree 100%. I think that another point um, that needs to be made in terms of what we're talking about to this, so I like the point that's being made that we're not talking about um, America being this great, as we say, um, nation that everybody needs to follow after. I think that when we talk about what a Christian is, that it's always been a transcultural. Uh, religion. It hasn't been a one-culture religion, even though we've always had one culture dominating in the era of Christianity over top of all the other cultures, which made it seem as if God was blessing that particular culture. Um, so I think that we've had that problem for a long time, even from the beginning, uh, with mm-hmm. the Jews, in fact, thinking they were the only ones that to be Christians until we get to Acts 21, and we see uh, a little difference there what Paul begins to uh, outline. But you see this whole thing, even with different nations. I, I I was reading something in 1670, when a lot of the slaves came over here, that the ones that were actually Christians were not made slaves because they were Christian, And that went on for about 12 years until they reversed that law. So, which also indicated that there were slaves that came over here as Christians. So it wasn't just a European, uh-huh. European thing, but as such, each culture seems to dominate and make rules. But I just want to mention this point about a theologian named God Duty. He um, he pointed out that you can't legislate morality, and I think that's what we we get back to. We keep trying to legislate morality. You know, the Christian view of marriage, the Christian view of sexuality. Everybody want to legislate. But as most of us who are Pentecostals understand, unless you get the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you're not going to change anyway. So, you know, I think the whole point here is that we keep trying to legislate what we believe our view of Christianity is, which is what Christian nationality, uh, nationalism is talking about, their view and their viewpoint. And they want everybody to conform to their viewpoint and their banner that they put up. So if they have a banner on Christianity, that's the banner they want everybody to abide by. For instance, uh, most of the time it's abortion. But what about racism? They're silent. So everybody has these banners and their banner is the right banner. But what about something else? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking
0: about this. Yes.
2: I'm interested in in uh, Elaine's context in, in a military context some more because It's, it's such a visceral, powerful thing when, when you're, you're as, as Americans for us to see people actually giving their lives for our protection, right? To keep us safe. And, and and we see this with firefighters and police and, and all kinds of things. And somebody may say, well, you know, if you're if you're not for a christian nation you're not in support of the firefighters and the police and the military and don't you love our constitution and things i've been asked don't you love the constitution you know i I appreciate the constitution but i love jesus you know kind of thing but (laughs)
0: that's right
2: how how is this do you you feel elaine in in the context where you're dealing day in and day out with people literally laying their lives down Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. is is there ever a sense that if someone um, sees a problem or sees some, you know, inconsistencies between Christianity and Christian nationalism, that that you'd be seen as not appreciating those sacrifices or not being patriotic.
3: Yes, yes, um, very much so, and so there is a very delicate line, and. Um, I'm a spouse. I have not signed an oath. So I, I do not have the same expectations as someone who has signed um, on that dotted line. So I have, um, I don't know if more freedom is the best word to use, but um, there are, are no direct ramifications for the things that I say um, and the things that I do, generally speaking, unless I break the law. Um, but in regards to being a Christian, in regards to Um, nationalism in regards to the military, probably the biggest thing that comes up is pacifism. And how can you be a Christian? How can you serve this country? Um, And I do serve um, because I'm with my husband, but how, and how can you serve this country when you know that people have to die? And when you know that you very well might be called upon to do that, And one of the things that we deal with a lot is moral injury um, and what that means and what that, what that basically involves. But in regards to, uh, in regards to Christian nationalism, one of the best things that I can do is say, you know, scripture tells us that there's no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend. Jesus laid down his life for us. And the people who have signed on this dotted line, regardless of what you think or what you feel or what you believe, they are willing to put their life on the line so you can believe that, so you can practice that. So you can disagree all you want with the missions, you can disagree with the commander in chief, you can disagree with leadership, you can do all of those things. At the end of the day, these people are willing to do things to keep you as safe as possible and to risk their lives so you don't have to. And there's a lot of love and a lot of care and concern in that. And so that's normally how I'll address it from all different kinds of sides. And normally that's enough for people to say, oh, wasn't thinking about that.
0: Yeah. Well, Elaine, I agree with you totally. And my heart goes out to all our military, including my father, including my uncles, uh, but I didn't serve. And a reason I did not serve is because I found it hard for me to lay down my life for a country that mistreated my people and murdered my people in the Jim Crowism and all those things. So from the black side, I couldn't see that unless the president was going to be in a foxhole directly with me and get shot just like me, if the president's not going, I'm not going. That's the way I felt about it. And yet I also want to bring out uh, this thought of America Exceptionalism and we got a slogan now America first. Well, I think we have to ask ourselves as Christians in the United States. Is that in line with the gospel. Uh, America first, or do we prefer in honor, prefer other people and other nations and other cultures as a Christian nation, then it should be God's perspective and the gospel perspective that guides all of our perspectives in the world. So when we talk about uh, uh, defeating other nations, I think our defeating other nations should be about us defeating the devil in people's lives to bring them into the kingdom of God. I mean, the early church understood suffering. Uh, Just think back to the Roman Empire. I mean, my goodness, the church was at a disadvantage militarily and politically. Even Jesus was at a different time when he was facing uh, what he was facing. He was The the conservatives were against him at Calvary and the progressives were against him at Calvary and they crucified him, but he overcame the world by his death, burial and resurrection. And I think as Christians, we really have to examine ourselves that yes, politics are played in America and we wanna choose to vote and we understand platforms but we judge everything because our passion should be primarily uh, to the king. If you wanna know exceptionalism, it's the kingdom of God. If you want to know the bible tells us to seek first america oh no i'm sorry the gospel doesn't (laughs) say that seek first the kingdom of god and as christians in america we got to be sure that our our political platforms of different parties do not dissuade us from what the gospel clearly states and at that moment our allegiance should be to god even if it means being against america if it cost us to be against America, then we choose God. We choose His way. And if that is not our conviction and our passion in heart, then then Jesus thinks that we're like the Church of Laodicea. We're lukewarm, and He's going to spit us out because we're not healing the world. We're not refreshing the world. We're we're just lukewarm. And I think in America right now, the church, because it's looking to political means of gaining power instead of uh, the gospel giving us power in the earth and that we're part of the biblical narrative, we know God is going somewhere. We know that God wins and that in the end, there's gonna be a new heaven, and a new earth and this world is not our home. So we gotta be very, very careful not to, to, to buy into the systems of the governments, etc. cetera, when they run contrary to God's word, and we recognize that we're pilgrims in a strange land, as it were, we have a dual citizenship on heaven and on earth, and that God is gonna end up reigning experientially over all things with his people. And that we should be filled with, with as Lois says, the love of God. We're not fearful of what's going on with the political parties. uh, You know, I'm not concerned about which party wins. I'm I'm concerned and focused on God is winning and God shall win. And he wants us to reach out and love and draw as many people, Democrats, Republicans, uh, gays, uh, all kinds of people into his kingdom because the father loves humanity. It's not about America being distinct from. We need to be incarnational ministries going in to rescue everybody from the powers of darkness that is the church's primary objective to stay radically committed to the kingdom and not be like the roman empire where if we constantine and then we mix religion with state and next you know everything ends up corrupt and if we tie our our political power instead of what is the gospel power in america we will end up being just like the roman empire that's my position
1: (laughs) brother you have you have really Preach the sermon. We're gonna take an offering up for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Make sure it's big. It's America, <laughs> capitalism. Capitalism.
1: I was I was raised in the era of um the draft. So when you talk about choosing to go in the military during my era, it was it was either you go or you didn't. <laughs> they, right. they drafted you in, but you made some good points, and I think that's that's good in light of where we are.
4: I
2: yes. have an, an interesting perspective on pacifism because you know the uh, the early Pentecostals were there was pacifism in the early Pentecostal world uh, particularly in our context the, the AG and uh, uh, I wrote uh, Dr. Stanley Horton's uh, biography in, in oh, 2009 yeah. and he talks about his early pacifism because as an early Pentecostal um, that was what you believed right and um, he Uh, He, and and this is, there's an article that Marty Middlestadt did, Dr. Marty Marty Middlestadt did about Dr. Horton's pacifism and his his change in this view. Um, In 1945, um, he was teaching at Metropolitan Bible Institute, actually where my parents attended uh, a couple years later, and he began to see the benefit of the GI Bill. All these, these, uh, these soldiers were coming back to, to the United States and having uh, the benefit of the GI Bill, which as, as we know, there are racial uh, issues with that as well. There were, oh, yeah. they were white soldiers, you know, and the mm-hmm. GI Bill. Um, so anyhow, he, his position began to change that he saw, not that war was good, but that good could come out of war. That these these uh, soldiers were, um, you know, training for ministry, and that the government was, you know, supporting this, and that many of them had come to the Lord during the war, and 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 all. So, he didn't. Uh, I don't think he changed in his view on the, you know, maybe just war theory and so on. But but he he had a a, a, a way to um, navigate the the changing situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I got a question for everyone. In the midst of all this political discussion going on and, and the fact that uh, we've been duped into believing a lie that America from its inception was Christian and we got to be concerned about all these progressives that are taking us down the road to hell away from biblical standards in America and that fear is gripping uh, of the American citizen. But my question is, where is the church in America right now in the midst of all this from the inception slavery the Native American Indians women uh, where is the church in the middle of this controversy and is the church proclaiming the good news to a world that is just uh floundering in the quicksands of an existential mood I mean where is the church in the middle of this issue with the good news where is the church so oh,
2: here's a here. Here's the book that I haven't read yet that you read twice. I read it. Yes. <laughs> you know,
1: the church oh, is changing. Can genius. you put it back up again, Lewis?
2: Yeah. This is a Robert Jones uh, book. Uh, we just got this. This is actually uh, uh, 2000. It's not super recent. Uh, 2000. Um, 2016. So, um, but yeah, I think the church is in trouble. Then to answer your question, where we are, I think we are in yeah. And we are, you know, recently in the Atlantic, um, an article was posted about called the Black Exodus. Uh, you know, there's there's a, not that black uh, Christians are leaving the Lord, but they're leaving these. You know, the few that are in the white churches are leaving white churches because of this uh, ex- existential uh, concern uh, for their well-being. But, you know, our millennials are, are, have, have left, you know, uh, you know, we, we really have a huge challenge in front of us to, to not be known for everything that we're against or that, that we are afraid of, but what we're for and who Jesus is and the transforming power of, of the Son of God in our lives. Um, We have a big job because um, in many ways, the church has, has failed america and we we um it, it's not going to be legislation uh, or a certain person in power that that uh brings people back to the church
0: mm. but well, you know
2: scripture says love never fails right. so if it never fails i think we ought to try that
0: right i mean all the things that we're afraid of happening in america we believe they're going down the road of uh homosexuality and same-sex marriages and things like that. I know the biblical what the Bible says, but I know God's solution is for the church to reach everybody and bring them into the kingdom because we've all faced transformation in our lives. And do we see the church out there? The mission of the church, the Missio Dei is evangelism. It's winning the world to Christ and coming out of the cultural battle and enter into the spiritual warfare with the gospel and the love of God to see a nation that is not looking to the Republicans or primarily to the Democrats, but looking to Jesus because the strongest force and power in the earth is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that is truly committed to him. But right now, we're not acting like the most powerful force that God is reconciling his, his this world to him through the church or proclaiming his wisdom. The Bible tells us his wisdom is known through the church being revealed. If also, but his spirit is in the church. If in America right now, if we're supposed to be the salt and the light uh, uh, what are we doing? I mean, we're letting the world, I mean, now we got people trusting Biden to be their political savior, to be the savior of America, or Trump to be the savior of America. And the church is not standing and saying, hey, neither one, Jesus is the savior of America if America gives us life to Jesus. But I, I think uh, Sterling may come around now a little bit. We can let him in there. <laughs> muted, muted Sterling. He's muted. Sterling is talking. Yeah, about.
4: yeah. I, I think the reality that we have to face is that the Missio day of the American church is not evangelism, it's capitalism. And um, and to the extent at which we we uh, choose, uh, fail to recognize that, we will constantly be in this this discussion. Uh, Christian nationalism is in the business of merging Christian and American identities. So um, they it, it is... It is historically been liberally mixing biblical teaching with principles of constitutional democracy until the line between them is blurred or even erased. So that pretty soon you start to look at the constitution and the Bible being on, on equal footing. Um, I, I, I'm convinced that, uh, yeah, some of this may seem benign on the surface and we like to to, to speak as if it doesn't, it, if it really doesn't exist. But the reality is that an American flag in the church pulpit, uh, in God we trust on the dollar bill, uh, Christian politicians referring to the second amendment as a God given right. I happen to be one of those. Uh, (laughs) I I just learned that confession is good. Uh, uh, And that Christians have a right to advocate for favorable laws just like anyone else. Well, but real Christian nationalists aren't out for anything uh, that is uh, as equal treatment under the law. Uh, Christian nationalists are interested in the things that are beneficial to their God. And I believe that their God is green.
0: Mm. (laughs) You know, Lois, I believe it was uh, Robert E. Jones his second book is called White Too Long, which yeah. is a direct cult, cult, uh, quote from a early activist named James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. And that's where he got the title White Too Long. Mm. And But it's not just whites in America. I think blacks are eating the crumbs of secular humanism at the same time. And that we also cannot afford to walk away from the true and living God as none of us can because without him, I mean, we cannot make it, and he 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 says we don't want to be guilty of uh, political idolatry, political idolatry that people and everybody should know, hands down, that the church pledges its full, wholehearted uh, uh, allegiance to the true and living God found in his word and everything that stands against it, we choose to obey God rather than man. And like the apostle Paul, I, wrote a, I read a book by uh, about him. It's called The Man That Shook the World. It's time for the church to wake up. We're, we're sleeping. We need to wake up and shake the world with Jesus Christ and his power in the earth and yet we must be willing to give our lives now that's the one thing i am willing to die for not for any military service but i mean for the service of god's kingdom that is something i am willing to die for
4: okay. See, but once again we we the conversation is a great conversation but it's uh it's uh, the elephant in the room is that the, the Church of America is really a, a pagan edifice, it's become very heathenistic. And we've, we've, we're an apostate group that has maybe a remnant back here that's saying what you're saying, but don't think for one minute that that's the uh, macro church in America. I was at a group yesterday with about 50, or 60 uh, uh, church leaders from various and denominations. And they had a great time, great praise, great. Uh, some were even speaking in songs. It was fantastic, except it was the typical American uh, picture. And there is nothing in there about confession, about repentance, about forgiveness. There's nothing in there about, uh, let's look back and see at all the sins of America. And then those of us who are living on the on the benefits of those sins, Let let us go back and see what our role should be. I mean, should we actually mm. looking at reparation should we be looking at restitution uh, no why don't we just call for reconciliation well see that's the American perspective no you don't call for rec- uh, reconciliation because how can we reconcile when you're still an enemy so so uh, and, and I know that that's a very uh, ignitable statement but I'm, I'm trying oh, go to go ahead I'm trying to make a picture here that yeah. we we keep talking about the church in America as if it is the church it's not. We yeah. we gotta finally get to the point, of saying, and not only that, America was never a Christian nation, not yeah. ever. Yes. So until we're able to face that, we're gonna constantly uh, uh, battle or struggle or wrestle with concepts that are baseless. Yes. Anyway, I, I may be a bit yeah. emotional yeah. about Dennis, it.
1: Dennis, well,
0: Dennis, I, I, think, think, you, Starling, yeah, I just want to say this: we have to have a remnant theology, right, Dennis? I agree. God yeah, has I always had a people.
1: Right, but I think what what we're seeing is back to your statement again. Where is the church in America? We're divided, and division is a is a great tool of Satan. Yes. and so we are we are divided. Although the the um, uh, the census says that seventy percent of the people they survey uh, say that they are Christians, as as Sterling suggested, according to our. Bill of Rights, Article 1, there will be no establishment of a a state religion. So we don't have a state religion in this country. Um, There is no one religion. We we have freedom of religion. So there are various religions represented in this country. Now, can we deal with religious tolerance and still be Christians? What Paul suggested in Colossians, that we're dual citizens. We're citizens of the earth, but we're also citizens of heaven. So we have a dual citizenship. Can we live with that dual citizenship without trying to make people who are unconverted, I'm talking about people who are unconverted, be like me. Yeah. I can't expect people who are unconverted to be like me. First of all, we have not converted them. They have not had a transformation, yet we want them to act like they're Christians.
4: I think that's yeah. where the real issue is. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with that 100%. And I, I would yes, even take further. the division that we speak of is, is even that is somewhat of a stealth in that if the church in America is apostatized, if, it's, if it is really caught into the throes of paganism, and, we're, and if you look around, you can see all of the, the, uh, the symbols, then the divided church is no longer the divided church of America. There's a remnant over here that and and i hope we're part of that remnant who's looking to to lift up christ but the larger group is not trying to lift up christ they're lifting themselves up and then assigning christ a role inside of their lives and that Mm -hmm. is not the way it works i mean uh it's either christ or it's not
0: so we're acting like the church of laodicea in general in america And we're judging ourselves successful because we're rich and we have all these goods. And look at the Lord. He's prospering us. Well, is it the Lord or is it the enemy putting us to sleep? (laughs) Which one is it really, you know? Mm -hmm. And the remnant comes through so strong that um, I think that, you know, Daniel and something you said, Sterling, uh, you also said how you were at a meeting and they don't want to talk about repentance or reparation. Well, I think that also we've got to take words from the book of Daniel where at the end of 70 years, because they went into captivity, the country that they wanted to be like Babylon, they ended up being captive to Babylon. But then Daniel, at the end of almost 70 years, he realized what his forefathers had done. And he cries out to God, in repentance for what his fathers did and what would bring them out of captivity. And I think America need the ones who do love the Lord, and maybe they're maybe they're not as zealous as they should be, but they sincerely do love the Lord and they wanna be Christian, but, but the, the history of this country has been so abominable, it really has, that we've got to fall on our knees and repent for the forefathers. When this nation talks about its forefathers, get on your knees and repent for the sins of slavery and killing the Indians and the the trail of tears and say, Lord, forgive us as a people for the sins, even of the past, that we might be liberated by you, the only true liberator in the future. And I think that that's where America quit trusting political leaders to set us free when Jesus is the only one that can set us free. And because his power is the almighty power, then why are we afraid of any other religion on the planet when the awesome God of the creation lives in us? Well, guys,
4: I, I gotta be honest with you, and I, and I hope y'all pray for me. God is not giving me the assignment to, to repent for the Ku Klux Klan. I, <laughs> I don't, that's not, he hasn't given me that assignment, so. We'll keep God.
1: praying for you, brother. Yeah, please do.
0: Please do. <laughs>
4: And look, if you, if you didn't invent it, you can't defend it.
0: Right. And I'm not asking for Black America to repent for KKK. But oh. I think white Christian America, and those who are benefiting from what their forefathers did, my forefathers laid down their life and died. And I pray that they have great reward in heaven for the sacrifice that they made. But white evangelical America needs to ask God forgiveness for what their forefathers did in the past to all peoples, in the name of Jesus, Lois.
2: Well, as the only white person on the screen, <laughs> to end this That's it takes the next three minutes to uh, to repent. No, ser- <laughs> in all seriousness. Um, I I am heartened to hear so many of my white brothers and sisters lamenting and repenting. And, you know, I I don't know how that becomes a, a broader, larger movement, but it's, it's, you know, I'm seeing the, the, the water ripple, you know, the, the change coming. And, you know, I, I, I personally in my own I think I've shared this with you guys before I have and when I did family history a few years ago discovered that on on my maternal side you know my own family there's a, a recording of a history that they're taking part in the Pequot wars in in New England uh, against the Pequot Indians and and being rewarded with with property you know uh, in Connecticut for the role in that you know uh, and, and, you know, that kind of thing, just, it just, uh, it's so shameful. And, and so, uh, you know, I, when I feel it, I, I lift it up again, like, oh God, forgive us, you know, for please, you know, help us to do what we need to do to make this right. Yes. And, um, uh, you know. I, I, you mentioned idolatry, Van, and I, I have literally seen Christians standing and with their arms raised, worshiping, singing, you know, patriotic songs that have nothing to do with God, you know, directly, you know, and uh, that it's like it's like this this cloudiness, this, uh, um, you know, I, I don't, I just don't. How did how in the world did we get there? You know, yeah. I mean you can Google it. Go ahead and Google uh, videos, search for videos, you know, uh, and you'll see these things. And so yes, um, on behalf of the white people, <laughs> I do, <laughs> I do repent. <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know, you're We'd chuckling, you,
4: but we I love you. Yeah, man. Well, Lord, you, you <laughs> if I could, know if that. I could
2: go just like that and change it all in a day, mm-hmm. uh, in a moment. I
4: would. Well, look. You need to know that uh, now. In my comments, of course, I, I'm being more more general, and um, and it is because uh, of, of your sincerity and your involvement that I feel uh, comfortable in making the conversation. No, absolutely. I'm,
2: so, I'm with you, man. I so you. know that
4: going in, but I will say this: I was with that group of people yesterday who were doing exactly <laughs> what you said. And look, catch this: uh, the the song leader, the praise leader was an Hispanic guy who was paid to lead them. So he had studied them, he knew what they wanted and he played what they wanted to hear. Wow.
0: Oh my goodness.
4: Help us, Jesus. Yes.
0: We gotta get back to preaching the gospel from our pulpits and our seminaries and our conferences. We gotta come back to true gospel. And and, and even if it's just a remnant that gets started, we can be like David Uh, the greater one is with us, whether by many or by few, whether by many or by few, God is going to win.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. We can't can't live on fear or out of fear. We have to uh, let our lives be characterized by the love of Christ.
0: Yes. Amen. Boldly loving, boldly loving. Dennis, I think that's the end of our time, right?
1: It is. We're, We're a little over time, but that's okay. You guys are... Are passionate today we just hope everybody uh, is going to get out the vote and um like you said let's not make politicians our god and let's make jesus christ amen. our lord and savior amen speak
0: truth to power amen we need to speak truth to power uh ultimately and live you know i pledge allegiance to the flag no to the to christ
4: amen. and that
0: becomes the main issue so we thank everyone for watching us today and we hope we uh have uh, lit a lit a candle uh stirred somebody from their steep we've we're being uh revived from epistemological self-consciousness is happening and we are awakened by the spirit of god so i say in closing the the prayer of the ironic blessing upon each one in the nation as we are looking in this election as well as but remember we are the elect we are the elect of god We've already been elected. We've won the election. He has won in us. And so let's go forward because we are the ambassadors that this world needs to hear from. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon each one and give us shalom in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, Amen. Much love, much love to each of you. Yes.
4: God bless. Bye for now. Thank you, everyone.